Welcome to At the Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We are your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford and Shelley Petz. clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is comprised of approximately a thousand churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with Clergy Faith and Wellness with the Great Plains Conference. Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator, and we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. Our focus here in At the Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well, we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold. All right, well, we just want to Welcome this this group of pastors here. We have about, let's see, about 15 of us are here gathered for this conversation today. And we just want to welcome each each of you who are joining us today. I'm Ashley Alley Crawford, and also leading our conversation today is Reverend Shelley Pets. We're both clergy here in the Great Plains, and we're hosting a series of conversations on behalf of the Office of Clergy Excellence as a way to navigate our new coronavirus influenced reality. We are in a liminal season. Liminal's becoming a new word you're hearing lots about. You, you've heard me say it a couple different times. And it means really a threshold with equal parts uncertainty and possibility. Though at times I confess uh, there are definitely times where I feel a lot more of the uncertainty. And then occasionally I feel a lot more hopeful. In this series of conversations, we are seeking to describe some of the dynamics that we're all seeing and to identify some questions that are bubbling up for us. But we don't want to just let the questions sort of um, win right now. We, we also want to look into some places of possibility as a way of encouraging our hearts. And each time we gather, it is our hope that you'll glean one or two th- new things to think about or to act upon or to pray through. So our topic today is practical questions for new kinds of ministry. When we first began looking at this topic, we were several weeks back and we didn't know exactly what would be the questions that would be bubbling up right now in this season as well. What questions would there be? What skills would be needed? And what would be before us? And so we're excited to see what will unfold today and what questions you have as well as we explore our topic today. We have invited four clergy panelists to be with us to begin the conversation. And so we have with us today Maria Campbell, Craig Finistad, 
Jeff Gannon, and Bernice Ludlam. And I'll ask each of them to share just a bit about themselves, their setting for ministry, and what excites them most about ministry. And so, Maria, we'll begin with you. I'm Pastor Maria Campbell. I serve at Heritage United Methodist Church in Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City. And I'm most excited about um, inviting people to Christ and helping new pastors um, just begin their journey of um, exploring how they will lead new congregations. Craig. Yeah, I'm at the Water's Edge uh, Church in uh, <clears throat> um, Gretna, Nebraska, southwest Omaha, Elkhorn area. Uh, been here for uh, 15 years. So for me, probably the thing that excites me most is just seeing someone, you know, come for the first time and, you know, seeing them become a friend and family and then, you know, transitioning from a family member to uh, a servant, from a servant to a leader and just uh, helping people uh, along like a discipleship path and um, help them to grow closer to Christ's image uh, every day. Jeff Gannon. I serve Chapel Hill in Wichita, and I have been here for 25 years. So I'm most excited about the fact that I think the church has found, and by church, I mean not only our own congregation, but in terms of the larger church, I'm most excited about how we are experiencing new life and new relevance. And it's so exciting to me that people of all ages are participating through our online services who have never been a part of a church before. That's exciting to me. Bernice Ludlum. Um, I serve at Dighton and Beeler out in Western Kansas, and um, I have been here for eight years. And I think um, the thing that excites me the most is being able to journey with people in their faith and being able to see them grow and knowing that you have been able to, um, to help nurture that and just to be able to dive in and develop those beautiful relationships. Awesome. It's great to hear um, from each of you all today. And, um, and I want to touch on actually something that, that Jeff, you sort of even alluded to and what you were talking about, what excites you, but, uh, but this has certainly been a season for all of us in which our um, understanding of church is being pushed a little bit. You know, we've got, whether we have realized it or not, we've sort of um, really connected that idea of church with, uh, you know, our buildings <laughs> and um, the, the things that we've been used to doing. So we just want to kind of lift this, this idea first here today. During this season, how, how is your understanding of church being changed or how are you articulating it maybe for, for others um, in new ways? How, how are you seeing the church kind of become a little more robust? Um, and I'll just invite whoever wants to jump in here first. Um, go for it. I'm just really excited because, you know, I think we have given lip service um, and, and we even have a nice little song about the church uh, being the people, but um, I have seen the church be fully alive, fully vibrant without walls. And and we um, 
we ne it seemed like our faith community never skipped a beat. One day we were at church with walls, and then the next day we found out we needed to be online. And we had never done online worship before, didn't have the equipment for online worship. And I said, we must have an online worship on Sunday. And by Wednesday night, this was on a Monday morning, and by Wednesday night, people showed up with equipment. We did not even own the equipment. Wow. And everybody started offering up their, their talents and, and their personal treasures and um the church has been responding that way ever since it's, it's like the people of god have been fulfilling their um access disciples of jesus christ when when called upon to be active disciples and, and living out their discipleship and it it is thrilling and exciting and and something that we have been discussing how this is this is what god has been moving us to towards all along, but this is the vision that we cannot let go of. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we didn't like intentionally prepare for a pandemic. Um, but I think just because of our culture, we were as prepared as we could be. So, you know, we were a church without a building for 13 years we just moved into our building two years ago so it wasn't a huge i mean the sunday morning thing we we've been live streaming for 10 years so um we had purchased all this equipment two years ago to do it well we had you know about 75 percent of our giving is automated so that wasn't really an issue for us um so there was a lot of preparation but it, you're never fully prepared for us like preparing for a hurricane like you can put, you know, wood up on your windows, but the winds and the rain are still going to come. This was asking me in our neighborhood. He knows I'm a pastor, doesn't go to the church. He asked me what it's like to be a pastor these days. And I said, you know, it's really I'm more like a telemarketer and a communications chief than a pastor. It feels like it feels like it that way. Um, but I think the whole idea we've even though we have a building now, we've kind of kept that DNA of, you know, being a church. It's even a slogan, being a church, with, uh, a church without wall. I would say for us, um, my understanding of church hasn't changed much, but I think it really has stretched and pushed the congregation to see it in a different way. And they have gotten so tied um, to thinking that worship means merely the sanctuary and um, that they don't have to be in the building to be able to fully engage in um, worship and their understanding of Christ. And so um, I, I, it's done more of a stretch for the people in the church than it has for, for me as the pastor. I would say for us, it has been a real great opportunity to once again reclaim how Christianity started, it, house churches, and to really use it as a teaching tool to say, this is your opportunity for your home to become a sanctuary. And so even though we've been discouraged from doing it from various places across the denomination, we celebrate Holy Communion every Sunday, every service, and we've continued that in the homes. 
And that has been really vital for us as a way of saying your table at which you break bread three times a day or however many times a day you eat is now your altar. And so helping people experience that has been really powerful. And people take pictures of it or videos and send them in and say, look at my family altar. I now treat this table very differently. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. So building upon that, what are some of the new skills that you have developed or cultivated during these past few months? You know, open that up to whoever would like to begin to share. Technology, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Um, it has been um, jump in the pool and figure out how to swim. And it has been hard and fast. And and I am thankful for um, other pastors who, who have more knowledge and understanding than I have. They're willing to share. I am thankful for Todd in the, the conference office, who has been a huge resource. And, um, it, you know, I, I think it, it has stretched me um, to realize that um, I have learning edges that I need to um, grow in and that I need to be willing to say, hey, I don't I don't know this and I need help. And that has um, worked both with technology and in other ways that we have needed to work to con- connect the church body and um, being able to say, I can't do all of that by myself and um, feeling OK with being able to ask for help. And I would tag along with that um, lots of growing edges for me in technology, which um, I have been blessed for many years to have very capable staff. I am still enormously, incredibly blessed because without them, none of this would truly be happening. But um, I have not allowed myself to rely fully on them. I've just been trying to pick up as much as I can not knowing which day we might be completely told, if at any point, to, to, to completely shelter in. So I've been trying to learn as much as I can. But the day I said, you know, in order to do parking lot worship, we're, we're going to have to have a radio station. I was amazed how um, a young 24-year-old said, I think I could pull that off, and I, and I, but we're going to have to order the equipment. And then the equipment was backordered, and he said, I think I can build it. And within three days, he built, he got some pieces of equipment, whatever it took, and he got some holes and he got some, and we, we, he built whatever he needed to create a radio station for us. And, you know, um, being the body of Christ um, has taken on such a strong, impactful meaning. Words, words we have used historically have become so fully alive to me. Um, and, and to the faith community and in our sacred space um, has incorporated the new technology. I mean, we, we, are, we talk um, about all of this as being part of who and what we are in moving into the future. And we took advantage of the time, literally, we took advantage of this time to um, do work, remodel our sanctuary because we weren't in there worshiping. And we built in a whole lot more opportunity for some of the technology during this time because we saw it as 
this, you know, an opportunity to be able to move this project us further. So I, I'm just grateful for, for what they're teaching me and, you know, saying to our worship team that I am handing over their sacred worship closet so that we can have an, an additional technology closet was um, an act of courage, but um, one of those acts of courage that needed to happen and we found extra room. But, you know, learn, learning what we need to know um, while connected with those that are really teaching us. I mean, that it's that both ends. Humbling. Delightful. Yeah, one of the things new to us is uh, we do a weekly prayer service now. And we would hold them occasionally, like kind of for specific events, like a capital campaign or... Um, if there was some big event that was coming up or if there was a crisis in the community, but it would probably be a few times a year. And we've been doing them weekly since uh, early March at this point. And we used to publicize them and like, just like crazy. And we'd get, you know, just the predictable, you know, a couple dozen people would show up. And now like online, um, you know, it is amazing how many people are watching like the whole thing, like on YouTube, the app or, Facebook Live or whatever. So it's been like a real learning for me to like consistently come up. And I have a team that I work with. There's three others on the team. Um, but we come up with, uh, you know, a unique prayer service each week. And that's really stretched us. You know, it's just how do we how do we do this weekly in a way that people are going to want to continue to do it or new people are going to want to join us. Uh, you know, whether we want to teach people about prayer, whether we want to pray, whether it's, you know, worship music, uh, you know, coupled with prayer. But we have found that it's just been people are hungry for it and, you know, don't know what it's like when we return to the sanctuary and don't know if we go back to the couple dozen people can kind of predict come or if uh, you know, we still do it online or if it just kind of had a season in its life. But it's really stretched me as a leader to, you know, do that on a weekly basis in addition to worship. would say that learning to communicate primarily through the camera, whereas in the past it was a secondary function. I'm preaching information and the camera's recording, right? But to preach primarily to people through the camera has been extraordinarily challenging and rewarding all at the same time. And I I used to make fun of TV evangelists. <laughs> And and yet we are that now. And so I've had to learn a lot about how to work a camera, how to look into a camera. I mean, it sounds silly, perhaps, but there's a lot of skill to that that I've had to learn. That's right. The the medium is not the enemy. You know, there's always been a new medium. And, and so it's learning how to sort of redeem perhaps what can be used for other purposes, redeem it for uh, the work of the gospel. It's so good. That's really good. Well, this has definitely been lots of learning curves for all of us. And I, I don't know about you all, but as I have sort of found myself settling into, you know, now um, month three of, of this new season, um, I'm recognizing that my spirit, my mind, 
my body is ready for a different kind of thing, perhaps in the season ahead. I heard early on, I heard a podcast um, early on by Andy Crouch and Dave Barnard, who who used a metaphor um, that that in the first couple of weeks, we were sort of treating what was happening um, around us with the pandemic like it was a blizzard. And we just hunkered down and you get the toilet paper you need. <laughs> and they said, you know, other people had kind of started saying, it's actually really more of a winter. It's, this is going to be a season. And 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 uh, Dave and Andy bravely sort of countered and said, this actually might be more than just a season. And then they historically brought up a time where that's now considered a mini ice age. Um, in the early 1800s that affected the whole world. It affected weather patterns. It affected sort of the flow of life. And early on in March, these guys planted a seed um, that perhaps this was going to be sort of a, a cataclysmic, you know, shift in things. And we were going to start to think about things differently. I've had that framework in the back of my head. And so I've sort of been thinking about like, what do I, what am I needing to learn for this season um, ahead, the the winter part of this um, I'm not sure I'm ready yet to to consider what um, with the pandemic or what the what the many ice age learnings are. Um, but I'm I'm sort of settling into in my heart and in my spirit about the winter sort of um, aspect of it. So if if that's um, if that's similar to how the you all have been thinking about this in terms of a season, um, I just want to ask you where are you? Um, considering learning and growing um, what what are the things you're paying attention to for for the next part of the season for for to get us through the winter um, part of this um, any any things that are rising to the top for you um, one thing that seems um, um, and this seems serious to me and it's been pressing on my heart a lot and, and maybe um, I, bring, I bring it to all of us with a sense of holiness and seriousness, but um, for us to all concern. I think the thing that we probably all are realizing is that ministry is going to be different. And so I guess I would then put a therefore. So if ministry is going to be different, that would likely mean that the leaders that we need to lead ministry will be different. Um, for some of us, that means that the people who are um, running our committees um, might need to be shifted. And if that's you know the case, then it, it might take till your uh, charge conference happens. But for others of us, that might mean um, our staff needs to be different. And then that's a whole major thing. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I am seriously needing to take a look at that. Um, Siri is now um, minding my business. Put her in the door. <laughs> I said seriously. Um, anyway, um, but it isn't. To be good stewards of our resources, we do, you know, we, we need to look at the gifts and graces of the people that are leading our ministries. And do the people who are leading our ministries have the gifts and graces to lead the ministries that we need to have happening into the future? Now, if we're, if we're blessed, maybe we can do some shifting within the people that we have 
and, and have them move into different ministry areas. But I, I think that we all need to take a good, hard look um, because if we need, God has given us an opportunity. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I kept saying that, you know, we have an opportunity for 2020 vision and God will make a, a, a way through. And that was before I had any idea what was going on. Um, and, and now here we are. And God, I believe, is making a way through. And But the way through means that we've had, whether a mini ice age or whatever, it's a major disruption. And, and, but things will be different on the other side. And, and we cannot not take advantage of what God has, has provided for us. So I, I just offer that up as a, a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge I am working through, and, and many of you might need to look at that as well. And to your point, Maria, I think that, as we have heard other leaders say, this is a great opportunity to ask three important questions, no matter the size of our church. And the three questions are, what do we need to stop? What do we need to continue? And what do we need to change? This is our opportunity to go there in ways that we typically can't. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to stop? What do we need to continue? What do we need to change? I think I am learning that as tough as these last few months have been, um, what we are looking at is going to be harder. Um, it is going to be much harder for our congregation to live into the change that God is bringing. And I, I truly believe that God is bringing incredible blessings and change for us. And it's exciting and new, but that brings fear. And so as we start to balance, how do we reopen our sanctuaries and make it safe and, and, still warm and welcoming with all of the social distancing and the masks and all of that, all the technical stuff, people are struggling with that, but they have no idea um, how, how difficult that process can be. And so, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing some pushback on some of that already and um, trying to help them navigate through the changes and to see that it really is glorious and that we should celebrate it. Um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about how it's it's really kind of the the death of the church so that we can have a new resurrection um, through the power of the Holy Spirit to see what God is creating. And um, that's exciting to me, but I also know that it is scary to the church. Yeah, I think the big thing I've been thinking about is worship. So we've uh, we've been live streaming for about 10 years Uh so that part's not new to us, but every worship service we've planned up until March of this year was uh, for a live audience. And then the people who are watching online, whatever platform they're on, I think it was just kind of the expectation that they're going to overhear what's happening live. So I was never one to worship planning meeting, you know, pre-March of 2020, where we asked ourselves the question, what does this mean for our online audience? Um, so it was interesting a funeral a couple weeks ago and we did it here in the sanctuary. Um, so this is large, it seats around, you know, 650, 700 people and we could easily meet the, um, you know, six foot guidelines, the, you know, three seats apart or whatever. 
but it was just kind of, you know, we're, it would have been a funeral where I would normally would have expected, you know, 250, 300 people. And we actually had 70 that showed up. Um, and we had probably around 175 that were online. And when we did that one, you know, we did it for the live audience. Uh, so like, you know, now we still do our services live. We come here on Sunday mornings at nine and ten thirty. But like what Jeff was saying earlier, we you know, look into the cameras. Um, you know, the band has typically been pared down, acoustic. Uh, a lot of videos. You know, we'll have we have five cameras in here, so we'll you know have a camera on someone. So right when the person's done praying, the band's ready to sing, or right when the band's getting ready to be done talking and singing, we do the offering talk. So uh, it is going to be fascinating. And I don't know how to pull it off well yet. And I'm working on it. The team's working on it. Um, but so when we open back up and I think we're probably two or three weeks out at this point, um, how is it that we do simultaneous worship for like the live people who are here in person and then also still have really quality online product now that the people are used to um, simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, so like now, like, you know, uh, I just have like a little bumper video before the preaching. You know, so I'm just basically standing at this table and I have a countdown clock on the back and it says, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7. And when I guess like five seconds, I'll pull up my pants one more time because no one can see it except like the eight people here. Um, but now, like with people in the building in a few weeks, I won't be able to do that anymore. And um, it's just going to be interesting to do online worship really well, because before this, there was an expectation. OK, I'll just kind of over here. I'll oversee like what they're doing there live. And I think there's a lot of people now, you know, we have, you know, we have some vulnerable people that, uh, you know, whether it's disease or age that aren't going to come back. And I also think we have a lot of people um, who have said, this is actually pretty cool. We can wake up at eight 45. We can, um, you know, start worship at nine o'clock. We can be done at 10 o'clock. We can be home. We can be in our normal clothes for the rest of the day. And we're actually going to prefer this style of worship many weeks. So I don't anticipate that, yeah, things are going to go back to the way they were. I think there's this new normal and we as a church are going to have to try to figure out how to do that. Thank you so much. There's a wealth of experience and wisdom that has been shared already. And we want to open this up to conversation with the entire group that has gathered with us. And so we want to give everybody a chance to respond and to kind of check in with each other. We're going to split you up into groups of about three to four people into breakout rooms and invite you to look at a couple of questions together. You'll have about 10 minutes um, to do this, and the questions will be arriving in the chat box here shortly, so that you can see those. Here they are. Um, and I invite you to, to take it as deeply as you're willing to go, or if you want to take a pass from any of the questions, um, you're welcome to do that as well. But I invite you to explore these questions together. What is something you've heard that challenges or encourages you? Is there a skill or a thought, an idea or a question that hasn't been brought to the table that you can bring to the table? And how is your understanding of church being changed at this time? So Heather will be sending you to uh, uh, breakout groups right now, and we invite you to join in as you are asked to join, and we'll see you back in about 10 minutes.
Well, the the group there is kind of going to go into their breakout rooms. We're going to keep chatting, and and um, we Shelly and I, as we as we were preparing, and she kind of alluded to this already a little bit. But as we were preparing, we were kind of thinking about um, in terms of practical questions that this was illuminating for us. And and as we were getting ready for, you know, this week for for this conversation today, it kind of struck us that that was a really that was a triage topic even. <laughs> what, what do we need to learn? Um, and so, you know, six weeks ago when we set this idea out, it really was coming from that place of triage. And now we have a little bit more perspective. Um, and so it's sort of, um, it's actually leading right into something, um, Craig, that you mentioned, and I've heard other people say as well. And it's that question of, of your neighbor, um, which what what is a pastor doing these days? Who is a pastor becoming? And so um, as we, as Shelly and I have kind of been processing through through this, um, we just have been thinking about um, about what it means for us as pastor, what this these shifts around us mean for us as pastoral leaders. Um, it really is a question of pastoral identity. So I'm curious um, how how you all are processing that question at this point in time. Has has have you sort of noticed that you're thinking of your flock, so to speak, a little bit differently? Um, are you thinking about your functions um, a little bit differently? How how is that looking? Um, or or how are how are you leading in your community, um, perhaps in 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 ways that are are different from before all of this? I think that uh, um, as Craig talked about that um, people online that that you that are the first time people that you don't see, that you don't really know. And watching as your service gets shared and shared in other states. And last week I noticed that ours was shared in Hawaii. And, you know, that's exciting to me, but it really makes you think far beyond the pews that you are are speaking to and that you are ministering to and that you are trying to reach. Um, it, It almost is a bigger burden and yet it it's also more exciting and and i feel like it has positioned me um to be more of the pastor outside the walls and encourage the the church to be the pastors within the walls to each other and so it's been a good shift for me and it's also been a good shift for the church i i've spent um and i and i've been borderline concerned about this, but I've spent more time with my key leaders. We've been doing a lot of strategic work during this time. Um, And and sadly, um, because of when we COVID hit, um, we have chosen, not we, church council has chosen to shut down our preschool. Um, they were in a difficult uh, financial position prior to this. Um, we needed to accomplish, they needed to accomplish certain things by a certain date. They did not, but um, it was like a perfect storm hit and they weren't going to be able to reach out into the community um, because they didn't have those two or three months that would have been critical. And so um, I, I have literally um, poured a lot of my energy um, into my key leadership. And, um, you know, normally I have that time, but, 
you know, so much more time with just the general congregation um, than I have been spending in the past several months. And so, um, you know, I have, I have just missed, um, missed some of the just pe- more peaceful, quiet time. I, I literally started another Bible study, study just so I can <laughs> some of the normal, more, you know, just quiet, peaceful gentle folk around me um, it, it you know it, it was something that needed to be done but a, a difficult thing during a difficult time I think we see that precedent in scripture right of Jesus spending more time with his leaders so yep. I think yeah. you're good. You know, I, I mean I get it it makes sense yeah. and and honestly it, it's taken us in a positive course because then I said well let's use this time for good and that's when we chose to do the remodeling and you know I mean I could always put a spin on I mean you know on something but it was still a hard thing to do and and Craig um I, I I just offer this one thing we have come up with this and we're playing with this idea of starting an express worship service <laughs> thinking that we might tailor that to online worship so that we can do that, like do a recording specifically geared towards online worship and and keep it tighter. I mean, still allow some people in, but keep it super tight because I can see the difference in what I what I do with online worship than when I do in regular worship. And watching me do that, um, because I get to watch me now. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a tighter worship and I, I like it. I mean, it's everything runs smooth and, and we have been, we just hit that and go. I mean, we don't do any of this like finessing stuff. Um, and so, you know, I'm pretty impressed with my team's ability to stay really focused. And so, um, we're playing, you know, express takeout or we're playing with all sorts of fun words, but. We've been trying to address how we're going to pull that off um, with online worship. And, yeah, I think that I've been thinking about churches that, and I thought of this, um, like they'll record their stuff during the week and then they'll do uh, the merit on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, like on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And I think like churches that do that, I think it's a great model. Um, I would have enjoyed the days off, but. I think it's a great model, but I think what happened is they're just not going to get a lot of the people that, you know, are going to come back right away. Mm-hmm. So they're still going to have to push, you know, a worship service out there, whether it's live stream of the one that's actually happening in the sanctuary at that time, or, um, you know, one that they still put earlier in the week. Um, so I think like accessibility and, um, you know, it's so like, you know, in, in the same way that we would have, uh, you know, videos for people who don't see well or, you know, increased sound for people who don't hear well or wheelchair ramps. I think accessibility to the church, to those who are vulnerable, um, is going to be essential. And I think those who are live streaming are fairly well prepared for, although I still think there's intricacies with that. I think the challenge is going to be for those who are doing theirs like on Wednesday or Thursday, producing it and then, you know, pumping it out, like, they have to figure out how to live stream or they have to be willing to do like two worship services per week. Um, 
it's it's a tough position for all churches. Especially if we especially if we don't want to forget those who are vulnerable. See, I'm convinced that for us we have to do our live stream on Sunday morning as well as our pre-taped service in advance. So we're already planning for that because when you look at, at the quality of taping, this Maria alluded to this, when you look at the quality of the service in general, the quality of, of what is done for the TV audience, that is very different than preaching to a congregation before you, as we all know. So I don't know of any other way other than having two distinct expressions. If we're going to maintain the high numbers of people that are participating, because right now we're experiencing double our average worship attendance. We have double or more participating through online worship. So if we want to maintain that, I don't think we can go back. We have to go forward with both expressions in my opinion, at least in our context. I think that increase in involvement through um, online has, has given me space to say, we're not failing. We don't have to hurry back and open up our doors and, and try and regain. We are doing ministry and we are doing it well and we are reaching people, which is the ultimate goal of, of having a worship service anyway. That's right. It's a it's a real awakening, um, perhaps for some people um, in your in your pews in your congregation when they're recognizing that it isn't just about the the warm fuzzies and seeing one another. This is um, by nature of what's happening here. Um, there's a real outward focus, um, which is challenging. That's some of the grief that you kind of alluded to, Bernice. You know, there's there's loss, and it's real loss. It's not. I'm not meaning to minimize the loss at all. Um, but but it's um, in that season of growth, it extends us, you know, thinking more outward. Yeah. That's good. Shelly, do you want to add anything else? I'm just going to ask if there was one final word of encouragement that anybody might have, a short word of encouragement for the church as we go forward. I'm hopeful. I really am. I, I I think that when I I just look outside my window and I see families together for the first time. We moved here a year ago because you know of my new appointment, and I never saw families. And I see families now. I see families in our community. I I God did not uh, do this, but um, good things will come out of this. Um, and I I just. I trust in the God who has been trusting in us for us for very long. Until we hope. Shelly, was that just, are you wanting us to say that for everybody coming back? Is that? We might do that as we gather back. Yes, as people gather back, um, if, um, we'll have a short word of encouragement from any of our panelists, and then we'll give a, a chance for the group to check in with any questions that you might have as well. And so if, is there a word of encouragement that our panelists have for our group that is gathered back? 
Well, what I just shared um, with the, my fellow panelists is that I am hopeful. Um, I believe that God is at work. I believe that um, our God is a God who um, brings about good out of every situation. And um, in my community, I see families walking together. Um, in um, amongst our faith community, I hear of people actually having suffered together, which is something I never heard of before. There's always people grabbing something from one of the fast food companies in our community. And I believe that um, if we strive to continue to support and encourage uh, people to find their way to follow the God who came so that we might have life abundant, that um, good things could come out of this very difficult time. I would say that, in my opinion, this is encouragement, but it's also challenge. Because of all the opportunities that are before us, it's really important, in my opinion, to pay attention to our own anxiety and the anxiety of the people that we serve. Because I think the anxiety level is high, obviously. And so this is a dangerous time to make decisions, yet it's an opportunity to make decisions. So it's, it's loaded, if you will. But I, I would encourage you, as I'm encouraging myself, to really focus on being the best leader that I can be. Because no matter the church we serve, no matter the size, no matter the context, our people need us to be leaders. And how that looks in each context is different. But we need to step up to the plate and be leaders. So lead with diligence. I just see like uh, there's a vast opportunity out there. I think people are more open to God than they were, you know, like three months ago. I think people in the church is probably a deeper level and people in the communities who aren't part of a church. Uh, not all, but I'm sensing a lot more openness. I think the pandemic, um, has challenged a lot of our suppositions of, you know, what life should be. Um, like in our culture here, we're mostly young families and, uh, you know, I have two kids of my own and like youth sports is like probably our challenging God. And, um, you know, youth sports has been shut down for, you know, two or three months now and it's slowly opening back up. But, um, I've just heard so many families say like they've just enjoyed like a little bit slower pace of life. They've enjoyed, you know, times when they can watch a prayer service or uh, times when they can eat together, just things have been said already. And there is, I think an amazing opportunity and um, yeah, just the encouragement is like, it's, it's out there and, you know, creatively. And um, I think with a lot of prayer, hard work that our church can be a lot more uh, prophetic and pastoral, uh, you know, than we were last year. Mm -hmm. I would say this is the time to dream big and to allow God to be God and move in an incredible way and to create something new. Um, I, I just think it's an exciting time. 
I want to open it up to anyone on the call to share. If there's a reflection, you're welcome to um, put your hand up in the participation um, uh, button or uh, uh, send a note in the chat, either to the whole group or to Ashley or I privately. Anything that's kind of bubbling up or questions that you have that came from your conversations that you want to share for the good of the whole. want to share this from Jada. With so many of us online, I have treasured the opportunity to be in worship under the leadership of other pastors. It is nice to be in worship as well as leading worship. What a powerful time for pastors indeed to worship. And may it be a reminder going forward of the importance for each of us to find and take that time for us to be leading well. All right, I think that Phil may have something he's sharing here. We'll let him finish typing it. But as he does that, I just wanna, um, just want to say that um, I, I hope that as, as you all have been listening and then had the chance to reflect in, in groups that you were able to kind of name some of the dynamics that are happening, both the challenges and, and some of the opportunities as well. Um, I, I continue to have resonating um, what Maria said early on about how the, there are some gifts that are now being employed in, in her church that had not yet been um, released. And that is going to forever not only change the, the impact of the, the, the ministry right now, but change that person, um, those people who are getting to release gifts right now. So so I hope you've been able to kind of connect in with the ways that we've been describing what's happening. And some of the questions, Jeff, I love those questions that you offered us earlier about what do we stop and what do we continue and what do we change? Um, just really kind of good self-reflective um, questions and, and group process questions that that can help us kind of get unstuck maybe um, from, from what we're, what we're feeling right now. And I do also hope that you felt a sense of, of encouragement um, as well in this, in this conversation. And, and as you're seeing um, the landscape taking, taking shape just a little bit. Um, I, I appreciate what, um, what Phil has shared. He, he shared this, this tweet that somebody had shared with him. The first Easter didn't happen at a church. It happened outside an empty tomb while all the disciples were sequestered in a home, grief stricken and wondering what was going on. So we're all going to be keeping things pretty biblical this Easter. And I think that um, there's a real, there's a real return to, um, I heard several, several folks talk about sort of a real return to, to worship in the home. And creating perhaps conditions that have never existed for families um, to, um, to, to be able to, to kind of connect into worship together. So we're grateful, grateful for this time that you all have spent with us today.
Thank you so much for our panelists for bringing your experience and wisdom and for each of us as we bring our best to see how we are leading now and into the days ahead. I want to also invite you for the next conversation, which will be um, Thursday, June 18th. It'll be at 1030 in the morning and where you will have a chance to sit down with Episcopal leaders to hear about how they are navigating this season of um, with words of encouragement and um, what they have to offer to us. Bishop Rupin Sines, who is wrapping up his first quadrennium as our bishop here in the Great Plains, will be with us. And he will be joined by retired bishops Bruce Blake and Ann Shear Simpson to share with us how they are navigating this season and offer perspectives um, on this new and challenging time. And so the um, link will be um, provided um, uh, in the GP Connect, we can also send that to you directly so that you can have that, so that you can sign up for that if you would like to be able to do that. I invite you to, to join in that conversation. And then also just know that resources um, of this podcast and others that have come before will be available um, at, w, or at greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. And so I um, invite you um, to join in listening to ones that have happened before or also to listen in, there was a section that will be recorded of just the panelists while everyone went to breakout session that um, was very helpful and insightful that you can pick up as well if you would like to go back and listen to that. But as we close, I want to um, close with a reflection from the book, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in a Liminal Season by Susan Beaumont. I invite you to hear these words for us today. As we wait for coherence to emerge, it is helpful to clarify the intentions behind our experiments. The seeming randomness of experimentation leaves people in the organization feeling unmoored. What are we trying to accomplish? What, if anything, do we still stand for? What are we in pursuit of? The nature of emergence is such that we can't point to expected outcomes. We know only what we are in pursuit of a new chapter, a reconfigured way of living out our mission and purpose. However, we can remain crystal clear about our intention. We can talk about what matters most to us, our purpose and vocation. We can talk about the core values that continue to drive our mission and ministry. Naming something into being is a sacred act. Moses stood at the edge of the promised land and retold the people their story. He named them as the people of the covenant, God's chosen nation. He linked their past with their present and their future. This is what effective leaders do. They tell the story as it unfolds. They imagine a hope-filled future based on what is being learned right now. They name what is emerging by integrating unfolding action into the core identity of the That was, the, that was a reading, um, a section from the book that was supposed to be a theme for us at annual conference. It might um, not have been more, we thought it was sort of for one purpose, but it's, it's showing that it was um, very helpful um, for us for, for this season as well. So we invite you to dig into that um, a little bit deeper on your own until we are able to be together. Yeah. Well, we do want to just thank all of you for joining us for this conversation and whether you're joining us right now or you're listening later, we hope that you've been able 
to see our new reality just a little bit clearer, ask a few new questions perhaps, and we hope that you've been encouraged. So we'll stay here, uh, the panelists and Shelly and I will stay here for a few more minutes um, if there's anybody who wants to chat. Um, but for, for everyone, we hope that you're finding some light at the threshold. Thanks so much for being here. joining us for our first conversation in this series about ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash clergy resources or listen to them as a podcast at greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. This is a challenging season full of confusion and uncertainty and we want to shed a little light to help you discern the way through. Thank you for joining us at The Threshold.